Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Locked Down Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons. Cybersecurity encompasses so many facets of business risk. Wrapping your head around it can be overwhelming and stressful. Join us to learn how to tie cybersecurity strategy to overall corporate objectives and best business practices while gaining an understanding of technical and non-technical approaches to security and privacy, regardless of tenure in the field. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to today's episode of Lockdown with Kayla and Taylor. Today we will be talking with Jill Orhan about ESG and her perspective of the growing trend of ESG, both across cybersecurity and other organizations, her perspective, her experience, and where we can all learn from her. So today we're, we're going to let Kayla start things off. I talked a little bit uh, in the beginning of the last episode, so we'll let Kayla kick us off today. And then we'll, we'll dive in uh, with Jill explaining her experience and, and what we can all you know expect to learn from ESG. Over to you, Kayla. Thanks, Taylor. So I think you know the, the topic of sustainability and ESG can be very broad, but we'll define it now as you know being generally focused on protecting the planet and people. I think that's very simple. Um, it's you know really focused on material issues such as emissions, water use, but also diversity, equity, and inclusion. All of those things pose imminent financial risks to a company because of you know the industry that they're operating in, their business pra- practices, and really the, their entire overall operations. So I think harking back to what Taylor just said, Jill, in your opinion, is this just a, a trend? Is, is it something that companies really should be concerned about? Oh, gosh, it's not a trend. I mean, I, I think everybody needs to be concerned about it. I think at the at the macro level, the climate's in crisis, right? And, and there's a, a shared global goal to get to carbon neutrality by 2050, and we're, and we're not on track to hit that. And so that that's not going away. Uh, more practically speaking, you've got things like the Inflation Reduction Act, right, which is put in force recently, and that that uh, hurts subsidies for companies that emit greenhouse gases. And so suddenly, business is really incentivized to move towards you know fossil fuel free solutions, and it, it's a big boon to innovation in the climate solutions area. And then on top of that, you've also got on deck this uh, SEC climate risk uh, proposition ruling coming up that's going to cause like all public companies to have to look at their their climate risk and report on it. And so once that comes into being, then I think that's that's really sort of like the hammer that's going to uh, cause widespread change. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I didn't realize there was an SEC ruling coming. So will there also then be implications for companies that want to go public, kind of like how you have Absolutely. a PCAOB audit? Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, there, there are definitely implications for IPOs. I think there, there are some companies that are trying to deliver what they call a, a sustainable IPO, which is like not, not only are they delivering the value to investors, they're also delivering on these other sustainability metrics. And so I'm curious as that SEC ruling becomes more likely if that's something you start to see pick up, because it also, aside from just being good for climate, it becomes a value differentiator for the market. That's a, 
I, I don't know. As, as I sit here and think about it, I think one of the things that you really said was uh, carbon neutrality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and growing, you know, historically uh, organizations hosted, you know, bare metal servers. Everyone had to have, uh, everyone had to have a desktop. You had some people that had desktops and laptops. You had some people that had desktops, laptops, field devices, things of that nature. Um, obviously COVID presented a lot of unique challenges where we really developed that work from home force at, at a very rapid rate. So whenever you talk about you know, uh, carbon neutrality, and we start to look at organizations, not not necessarily just from the cyber perspective, but from, you know, an IT infrastructure perspective. Um, do you see, you know, major risks coming to play as a lot of organizations look to maybe possibly sacrifice uh, or shortcut uh, to find that carbon neutrality by, you know, virtualizing or, you know, m- larger BYOD device policies? I, so I'd be curious if you looked at like the carbon accounting of a firm, like where IT assets fall in that, because I think if, if you look at like the scope of companies, or like where, where are the worst offenders of greenhouse gas emissions, there, there's certain industries that are just worse, right? In terms of like, you know, oil and gas and certain kinds of manufacturing chemicals, you know, and, and those are the ones that just have like the greatest attach rate of emissions that you want to go try and, and tackle those first. As you go look internal to companies and you think about like software companies, the profile is really different, right? And so it's like, there's things like, um, you know, garbage and food, right? And like, is everybody eating out? Are you getting a lot of catering? There's travel, are people on planes all the time? And like, how much do you have office space and how big is that? And is it a green building? Um, I would imagine if you, if I took the like accounting statement of a company and try to look at the attached to the IT assets, it'd probably be fairly small in comparison to the other things. And so I, I think they might back out first and look at, there's actually a benefit to having work from home, right? And like the absence of physical office space and like all the you know carbon emission stuff that comes along with that. And so I might actually think it would swing the other direction, which is like, look, we got we to gotta figure out work from home to some extent. We have to do that better. We need to make that process more sustainable for people um, versus going the other direction. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, sorry, Taylor, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say that. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point, right? Um, I guess, you know, my concern when I look at it, right, we've got bare metal servers, you know, if you have a data center, that data center is obviously cooled, depending on how large, you know, the cooling Mm -hmm. system is, or how many servers that obviously contributes, and then the, the type of electricity coming in to power the data center. Um, So I I see your point of like individual assets, um, and then the larger scale. And then, I mean, to your other point, I, I guess my other concern, right, is everyone, everyone's not, most people are comfortable working from home, right? So what do organizations or companies do to, you know, promote that well-being in the office? They do bring in, you know, takeout food. They, you know, they do put in uh, gaming systems or arcade machines. Um, so all of those things that you were kind of talking about, it, it's almost like it's uh micro-focusly amplified on those days that people are into the office, but then Mm. you almost get that same equivalent reduction on the time that they're not in the office. Um, Do you you see a a point of balance there or do you think it's, you know, we 100% work from home. um, I get to relax in my pajamas uh, for the rest of my life. I I imagine there's a balance point there because I I think it goes back to where's the biggest bang 
right? And and I think I think humans benefit from having hybrid environments where you can kind of pick and choose what's best for you. And, and there's certain kinds of work that's better to do in person, right? And, and collaborative whiteboarding sessions, brainstorming, that kind of stuff. So, so I think you can find a balance point there. It's tying that over to what makes sense from a climate perspective. And to go back to your other point on infrastructure, you know, large-scale cloud providers are trying to provide green computing solutions, right? They, they do that at a bit of a premium. They do it by having data centers in places where they can take energy from like wind farms and solar panels and other things. And I and I think the, this other this other macro trend of like industry will care about climate risk is going to put pressure on corporations to want to go find and fund those kinds of solutions. And then the cost of those solutions is dropping quite a bit. Like wind and solar power is becoming on par with other kinds of power sources. And so then it becomes a no-brainer of like, well, you know, for the good of the planet and for the bottom line, we, sh we should just do that. And then it makes it a lot easier to balance out these other parts of the equations because questions like, well, are we are we harming the planet more if we let people work in the office, right? Like the, the impact of that becomes far more, far less impactful relative to other decisions you can make. Um, and so then I think you can start to look more into, well, what's best for the people, right? And trying to make a decision that way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's it's definitely a balance and it's going to be unique to every organization and every every geolocation as well, right? I remember uh just you know during COVID when all of a sudden the there was it the rivers in um was it Italy started to clean get really clean and they started to see wildlife there they hadn't seen in decades because there was no pollution from everyone being in the lockdown. And I think that's a great example that's representative of the benefits of taking those, you know, the ESG impacts into consideration. Mm -hmm. And then kind of switching gears a little bit, because as a cybersecurity professional, you and I have both received questionnaires from customers that start to ask about our ESG efforts at the organizations that we've worked at in the past. I mean, this, this for me goes back like five years, really, when the, the term really started to become mainstream. Um, you know, how does ESG fit into cybersecurity programming? Is it something that the that should be owned by the cybersecurity function within your organization, or is it broader than that? Um, I think I would say aspects of ESG need to be embedded throughout the organization. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's a function that makes sense to have it highly centralized. You, you might have a chief sustainability officer or somebody who's charged with sort of strategy and direction, but it, but it's a whole company problem, right? That everybody can own and everybody can help with. Um, from a cybersecurity perspective, I, I see cybersecurity as a, sort of like a protective layer over the different aspects of ESG. So if you think about the environmental side and, you know, the potentials for breaches or data loss, and some of that information relating to things like environmental matters, right? Of like, okay, did we do our hazardous waste disposal properly? Are we properly reporting our emissions? How are we doing on our sustainability initiatives? There, there's a way that cyber can protect and inform around that. Uh, cyber also has just a great sort of governance maturity to it that I think that sustainability can leverage. And that we were asked a lot of the same questions to your point around risk, right? And, and that makes sense. Um, the other side of it is that uh, data privacy, private information, the social impacts of that, how that contributes to a perception of trust, 
but both in a tactical sense of like data getting passed around and also just the brand and the reputation of the company. I think it has an impact there. Um, I think there, there's a lot of ways the, the functions inform one another, but I don't think it makes sense for CISOs to just pick up sustainability as, as a flag, right? It's something in much the same way as security. You have a CISO, the organization needs to have a security posture that everybody buys into on a culture that we all live with. I think sustainability is similar. It needs to be distributed probably with an owner. And there's a lot of ways the two are complementary. You know, the, the way that, I mean, to your point, the way that I think from, from my perspective in my digital risk days, right. Um, doing digital risk protection, external attack surface, that type of stuff, right. Mm -hmm. The, the way that I think about it too, is to the point where, we are doing public filings or, you know, people are reviewing reports um, to, you know, what is your, um, you know, your impact to carbon neutrality, things like that. You, you obviously get, you get protesters, you get environmentalists, you get things of that nature. Um, I think one of the, one of the most misunderstood or often looked over aspects to security uh, can be just physical security as well. Um, or online reputation, brand reputation, that type of thing. And I think that the, the ESG function helps you combat that a little bit, or at least be prepared if someone is going to start, you know, a Reddit campaign or a Twitter campaign against your organization based on, you know, your emissions output or something like that. I think, you know, in that aspect, security can be overlooked at times uh, where, you know, they should be leaned on to understand, uh, all the different attack surfaces because, you know, protesting now isn't just standing out in front of a building with signs, um, you know, waving them up and down, marching up and down the street, which I'm, you know, 100% for, you know, everyone's got a right to protest, go do that. But we've seen uh, with the digital evolution, protesting isn't just physical in nature anymore. There's a lot of online mm -hmm. protesting. There's a lot of campaigns. So I think to your point, I mean, security has the, you know, kind of the umbrella to help you understand your corporate risk, uh, kind of ties into GRC too a little bit. Mm -hmm, uh, so mm -hmm. I know that makes Kayla happy. <laughs> um, but you, you, I think you really hit that the the nail on the head and saying it's not owned by a singular person. It's a it's a corporate ownership type of thing that security should be consulted on. It's not just about the lines of the code or protecting the assets. It's about, you know, are we exposing our employees? Are we exposing our data? Do we understand the risk that by these filings um, and this public information that's available uh, that people could target us based on how they feel about, you know, greenhouse effect or emissions or, you know, the several different scenarios that you said. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of discipline and security around investigation, evidence, audit, right? That, that doesn't exist across other disciplines that matters a lot to, to ESG. And there was something recently in the, in the press about uh, a, a carbon credit company whose methodology was called into question and that got blanketed over social media. And then it became like, oh, don't use this company. They don't have, you know, they're, they're not accurate. They're not valid. It turned out not to be true. Right. So they, they got sort of lambasted in the press, but in the absence of data, right, to be able to point to you that like, no, that wasn't the case. You didn't really have any other way to combat it. Right. And I, and I think diving more deeply into sort of climate solutions and that side of the industry, that this whole question of like measurement and reporting is, is a big issue. Right. Of like, and it, this all ties back to like, 
how do we get to that accurate picture of how we're doing on ESG? How valid is the data? You know, going back to Kayla's description of the ESG questionnaires, you know, do we get back accurate responses? Okay, if we aggregate all of our suppliers and we roll all of that up, is that a good picture actually of how things are going? Or is it kind of like a squishy approximation because we know that everybody's trying to, you know, make themselves look good? Eventually we have to get back to data. And, and I think that's actually part of what the uh, the SEC ruling will eventually start to enforce is this that that regulation will start to require this higher discipline of, of data quality. And, and again, that's something cybersecurity just understands very well. Yeah, absolutely true. And, you know, I think where, where I'm seeing like the questions go, and it's not just actually in customer questionnaires, it's also in our insurance brokers questionnaires as well, which cyber insurance, it kind of feels like everyone's trying to find a way out of covering cybersecurity at these at this time. Um, and that this is just another avenue for that. Um, but you know, the questions that I've seen posed are, you know, what are you doing to protect the data in uh you know from a privacy perspective and a security perspective as well? Um, and they do obviously ask about your DE and I because security, you know, we have a reputation of being underrepresentative of minorities and women and um and that does obviously tie into ESG. Um, so what what can companies do, you know, that are typically, you know, have found themselves in this lower risk area for cybersecurity risk, or they perceive themselves to be lower risk, um, maybe underfunded. Uh, and now these things are starting to bubble up and, and under a new term of ESG, environmental, social, and governance, something that is kind of, like I said, broad as we've covered already to date, you know, what can they do to ensure that they are able to tick those boxes, but actually have meaning behind what they're saying? So, so I think the, the cyber discipline around risk assessment, right, and understanding, understanding that across an organization actually dovetails well with some of these questions of, of ESG risk. And so I, I think you can put the two together, make ESG sort of a, if, if not a pillar, an important a critical ingredient, right, of your, your cybersecurity strategy. And then to the earlier point of like, it's not one person. As this gets rolled out into the organization, you, you have to arm stakeholders with information on how the company is doing, what they can do about it, what it means for their particular area. But I, I think where I'm struggling a bit is I think it's like CISOs have a hard job already, right? And, and asking them to take on ESG as a, as a program, as a set of governance, as a new discipline, which it is, and be able to roll that together with how they do cyber, it's a lot. And so this is why I lean back on, I think the best way for companies to be proactive is actually to be distributed, right? Because the good thing about climate is that most people care about it, right? Like we all want a healthy environment and good nature and a nice planet to live on and all these things. And so it's easy to get to get the buy-in. And so I think if you can mobilize mobilize a broader set of resources, you'll have a higher chance of success. And so you can dovetail it in with cyber. But I, I guess I'm struggling a bit with trying to marry the two too closely together because I think you're, you're, you're giving the CISO a burden that they they already have enough of them, right? <laughs> it's like, how do we, how do we distribute their load, I guess? 
I think that plays a lot into risk management as well. Um, mm. to, to your point, I think, you know, understanding, understanding as a CISO, I, I think, you know, overall imagining, right. Kayla, you're obviously in the role, but if I'm a CISO looking down at my org, I, I, I want to understand, you know, my risk, my implication and my contribution um, to the ESG yes. portfolio I, and put the stock in it that I can by empowering my team, make the right decisions, uh, make the right infrastructure calls, make the, the right calls about travel, going to the office, eating out, those types of things. But to your point, Joe, I think I agree. I, I mean, um, one, of, one of my favorite things about understanding the, the CISO role is the three-letter rule. Um, you have the letter, first day of office, you read your predecessor's letter. Uh, you write a letter to your future self, and then you write a letter uh, to your um, who's going to secede you. So to me, I mean, it's just it's like almost one of those those check item things that as I look to you know prepare for like a field CISO role, field CTO role in the future. It's one of those things where I want to be cognizant, I want to be aware, and I want to contribute the right way without jeopardizing. Uh, business or personnel decisions, right? I, I want the right people doing the right things at the right time. And I hope that that aligns with the proper ESG profile that the company is trying to portray. Yeah, I think if, if companies can find a way to overlay, overlay security and sustainability together so that employees can, can make good decisions, like that's success. That, that would really be success. And, and that that sounds really easy, but it's actually <laughs> super hard. Um, but but I think that's a good outcome because that's really what you want, right? It's like people in their individual roles making good decisions. And the best way to do that is to enable them with knowledge and information and understanding of what the risks are, the impact that they can have if they make the right decision or a better decision. Um, but I think it's too challenging to try to like orchestrate all of it or control all of it, right? It's like, that's, that's Herculean. So. Yeah, and that's where the governance part comes in, right? And Taylor mentioned GRC, you know, you know, ESG governance is a big piece of that. And that's, you know, understanding the customer confidence, reputational damage, potential impact on stock price or possible now regulatory actions or litigation, as you mentioned. Um, and the CISO typically is in the position to understand all of those risk factors. But you're right, it is far too much of a burden for one person to carry without the support of an entire organization. Um, so if those security questionnaires are coming in, if, you know, you're seeing things in the, you know, the media about ESG and, and company, things like that, um, it's important to remember that it's not just a CISO or security, cybersecurity team problem. It is organizationally wide. It's too broad. And, you know, to reach out and leverage your partnerships with your peers and your executive team to really set up a program to address the risk. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're running out of time. Um, so Jill, I wanted to give you the, the floor and, you know, is there any you know final thoughts on, on what you think, you know, companies can be doing to be prepared? Um, if they're doing enough, great. I don't think that's the, the message you've said so far. So, you know, any advice that you have for our listeners? I think just start with a set of targets and make them simple, right? Because it's what I've observed in the, the companies trying to stand up ESG programs is that it, it feels and it can be a complex and difficult task, right? So 
figure out what the biggest bang for the buck is, set some targets in that direction, keep track of how you're doing and, and iterate, you know, and there's, you could take that as complex as you want to, right. But, but you can start with one, start with one good goal. And, and that's a great way to move forward. I think that might be the best advice I've heard all week <laughs> is to, to set <laughs> one goal, right. Um, how many goals spawn off one goal? Um, you know, how does that tie into your OKRs? How does that tie into your business objectives? I think that, uh, I think the, the one is a, is a great target to start because everyone's starting from zero crawl, crawl, walk, run phase zero to one. I mean, it makes sense, right? I, obviously there's going to be organizations that won't be go-getters. They set that bar really high. Uh, but the, the best advice of the week from Jill, uh, start with one and, and move it forward. Um, Unless it's a potato chip. It can't be a potato chip. You can never just have one. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Jill, I I just want to be the first to to thank you. Um, Really coming on. Uh, ESG is something that I have somewhat understood throughout my career. I've mainly focused on the ethics piece of it because ethical security is good security, especially whenever you're going up against unethical adversaries. So that's the piece where I I really focused a lot of my career being on the technical side, doing investigations, things like that. Um, So thank you for broadening my eyes to, you know, all of what ESG encompasses. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm sure Kayla has a a few words, but really appreciate you coming on today and uh, look forward to seeing you around RSA in a couple of weeks. My pleasure. Thank you, Taylor. Yes. Thank you so much. You know, I always love our chats and I'm always learning from you. And I think it's so important to continuously learn about things. And this is one of those emerging items. It's been emerging for a while, but definitely post COVID, it is at the top of mind, at least for me and, you know, the customers that I've interacted with. So I think this is really important to understand. Um, It will evolve over time, just as everything else does. But this is a wonderful baseline to start from. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and we will be in touch with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown with Taylor and Kayla. And we will uh, hopefully talk to you after the week. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lockdown Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit ITSPMagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.